Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all responded so much better than the nine o'clock service. Hey, this is a really special day for us. This is the first time in the history of VHM that we are streaming live on our YouTube and Facebook channel. So let's welcome those who are joining us. We're so glad you're with us today. It is awesome to be with you, and I've, I've literally sat and thought, what am I going to say the first time we regather? The first time we come back in the building, what is, the, what is it that I want to say? And I remember this show, and you guys will probably remember this show. It's called uh, Extreme Home Makeover. Anybody ever see this show, Extreme Home Makeover? They would find this family who were in extreme conditions. They had special needs children. They had all kinds of different things, and they needed help. And they would come and help them, and then when they would build their house out to suit their family, they would, they would get them behind the bus and everybody would cheer, move that bus, move that bus. And then when they moved the bus, the family would almost fall down because they were so overwhelmed by the goodness of what they were looking at. And then Ty Pennington would say these famous words, welcome home, family, welcome home. So that's, our, that's what I wanna say to you today. Just, we're so glad you're here. We welcome you. It's so good to be with you. And I don't know about you, but that worship right there, we could have gone on for a while. You know what I'm saying? That's some good stuff. Well, after four months, we're gathered back here in the building, and it's been a crazy four months, hasn't it? I mean, it's not just been one thing. It's been multiple things, and it's compounded uh, throughout the last four months. But guess what? We are here. I'm happier than y'all are about that. We are here. Yes. <laughs> we are here. And you know, it's also been the year of memes. While we're looking around going, what in the world is going on? People are taking all their free time that they have, if they have free time, and they're making these memes that are making us laugh, giving us a little bit of humor about the situations that we're walking through. So we have a few of them for you here today. Just wanna bring this up. Here are some of our travel plans. We were gonna go to Australia. But the reality is, we get to do the dishes because uh, we didn't go anywhere. There's another one here. What's the next one? The 2020. Very bad. Would not recommend it. How many of you uh, feel that way as well? Yes, we go 2020. We're not looking for the highlight reels of 2020 anytime soon, are we? Uh, but here's the good thing. Even in the midst of all the crazy, in the midst of all the difficulty, in the midst of all of this, God has been faithful to us. We've not just sang songs this morning, we've declared the truth about his faithfulness. We, did, we didn't just sing words, we declared a truth today. Our God is faithful, and he has been faithful to us through this whole time. And just like us, where we're saying, man, I would like to skip over 2020, I would like a redo, can we do it over again? We see this actually in the Old Testament with some of the uh, Israelites. We're gonna start a series, before I dive into that, we're gonna start a series called Greater. We're entering into an incredible season as a church. We're entering into a season where we're seeing the baton pass from our founding senior pastor to our upcoming senior pastor. Pastor Dennis and Colleen Rouse are passing the baton to pastors Johnson and Summer Bowie, who we all love very deeply. And that's gonna be happening, we're only six weeks away from that. That happens in six weeks, so the next five weeks, we wanted to take the opportunity to focus on the greatness of God. If we look back, we see his faithfulness and we see his great, uh, greatness, and when we look forward, 
we see his faithfulness and we see his greatness. And so now let's take a look here uh, at the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, some of the Jewish people, they find themselves in a worse season than we're actually living in, believe it or not. They find themselves uh, where they had uh, seen the establishment of the covenant between God and them as they came out of captivity, as they came out of uh, Exodus. They're seeing this covenant that God's making through Abraham. And there's this covenant with God that is saying this. God's promises is to bless them and not curse them. God's promise is to do good and not evil. God's promise was to prosper and multiply them. God promised this. This was the covenant he established with the children of Israel. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your God and you will be my people. And I don't wanna oversimplify the Old Testament, but basically the Old Testament is this. God establishes a covenant. God creates man. He establishes a covenant with man. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the Israelites agreed to this covenant. But over and over and over and over again, they break the covenant. They continually break the covenant. And God brings plagues. He brings all kinds of difficulty upon their life. Not to bring difficulty because his promise was, I want to bless you and not harm you. I want you to prosper. I want you to know that you are blessed and not cursed. But every time they would, their hearts would sway and turn away from God, he would do something to try to get them to turn their hearts back and re-engage with the covenant that they had made with him. We see that all through the Old Testament. God would remind them all the time, I am your God, you are my people. I am your God, you are my people. And when we go through difficulties, like we're going through right now, it is easy for us to turn away from God and turn to, uh, to the news, to all the stuff that's going on around us, but let our hearts drift from the greatness of God. And we can begin to feel depressed and we can feel weighed down, we can feel hopeless, we can feel all of these things, and this is where the children of Israel were. So they're turned away from God. and They didn't honor the covenant, they turned from him. And so what God allowed to happen was he allowed the Babylonians to come and the Babylonians came and brought the Jewish people into captivity. They tore down the walls in Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. They destroyed the temple and this was a big deal for them to destroy the temple because that is the place that represented God's presence and his power. That was the place that they would go and meet and it was this temple that Solomon built and it was gorgeous, it was huge, it was strong, it was filled with gold and silver, and all kinds of beauty and when they would go in there, they would experience the presence of God. But because of their rebellion and because they turned to other gods and other idols, God let the Babylonians bring them into captivity and destroy the temple and destroy their city walls. This is where we find them. Uh, this is where we find the, the, the children of Israel. And then 48 years later, there was a shift in the Babylonian government. And what took place in that shift was the new king said, I'm gonna release a remnant of you Jews to go back to your homeland where you can worship God. So he released some of the people to go back. Ezra was one of them. This is where we see Ezra, where he was returning to Jerusalem to rebuild uh, the temple. He was coming back to rebuild the temple. But along the way, with the remnant of people that he had, somewhere along the way as they're rebuilding this temple, I can only imagine that they had in their mind what the temple used to be 
and then what they're seeing as they're building was not nearly the scale of Solomon's temple. And somewhere along the way, they got discouraged. They got so discouraged that they just stopped building. They quit trying to rebuild the temple. And so they stopped building. And this is where Haggai comes. Haggai comes and and back to Jerusalem 16 years later after they had stopped building the temple, rebuilding the temple. He comes back 16 years later. This was 66 years after the temple and the presence of God had been destroyed in their midst. This was almost an entire generation was gone. The once great nation, I want you to listen to this. I want you to imagine this for our own country. The once great nation is scattered. It's divided, angry at the world and each other, in poverty, depressed, disconnected, disoriented. Does that sound familiar? That sound like a similar state we find ourselves living in today in the United States of America? Yes, it is. But Haggai comes to bring a promise. He's a prophet, so he comes to prophesy a, a, a great future for the children of Israel. He comes to prophesy what the, what the temple's gonna be like. It says in Haggai chapter two, verses one through nine, it says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of hard name, governor of Judah. To Joshua, son of another hard name, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people. This is what God said. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? There were a few people that were saying, going, I was here, I remember it. I remember what it was like. It was glorious, it was powerful, it was Amazing. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like to you like nothing? They're going, absolutely. This is depressing. This is discouraging. They were feeling like all hope is lost and there's no future for us. That's, that's the emotion I can imagine these people were, were feeling. He says, but the Lord says to them, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. Uh, now be strong, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. That's a hard name, hard to say, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of hard name, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. God is saying this, don't quit. Don't give up. Remember that I am still here with you. So as we walk in these days that are disorienting and discouraging, don't give up. Because God is with us. We see this promise to the children of Israel, and we have this same promise to us. God's saying, don't give up. He says, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and the Spirit remains among you. Do not fear This is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while, say with me, in a little while, in a little while, uh, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house 
With the glory, says the Lord Almighty, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. God is saying, I know it's bad and it might not get any better anytime soon. But in just a little while, the glory that rests upon you now will be greater than the glory of the past. The glory of God wants to rest on us. He wanted to rest on the children of Israel. So what is this thing called glory? Ezekiel 33, we see Moses when he's on Mount Sinai and God is trying to lead them out. And he says, God, I want to see your glory. And God said, I'm going to show you my goodness, Moses. I will let my goodness pass by you. And Moses hid in the cleft of the rock, and God put his hand over him, and the goodness of God went by Moses. The glory of God is a full revelation of his goodness. The glory of God. It's not some glorious feeling all the time. It is a full revelation of God's person, God's presence, God's promise, God's heart for people, God's power, God's majesty, God's wisdom, and God's judgment. He's saying that kind of glory, that's going to be greater in your future than it was in the past. Can I say to you today that I believe God's glory is greater in our future than it is in our past? Do you believe that? Do you believe that here, not here? I believe the glory, the presence, the person, the power, the wisdom, the justice of God is going to be so much greater in our future. His glory is something that we need to see, and we need a heart like Moses that says, God, show me your glory. Show me your goodness. Let it pass by me, God. Let me see it. Everything that makes God, God is fully and completely good. And when all of his goodness is packaged in one place, that's his glory. That's available to you and to me today. So, hey, guy, as the people are looking at a half-built, abandoned temple, he's reminding them, Even though they're disoriented and discouraged, they may remember what they used to see, but he's saying, God is stepping in. And while things may not get back to normal, normal is not what we're after because if what you're you're hoping for is what the old temple looked like, if what you're hoping for is what the old normal looked like, you're thinking too small. We're thinking too small if we want to go back to what was. Why? Because God has something much greater for us in the future. So much greater. So much greater. He wants to to show us some great and mighty things. And sometimes he has to tear down the old so that he can build the new. Here's the good thing about the temple. The temple in the Old Testament was a building. The temple in the New Testament is us. So the temple is not a place where the presence and the power and the person of God is housed. He's not housed in these four walls right here. He's housed in your heart. 
You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, it says. You are now the temple of God. So his full person, his full power, his full presence, his full wisdom, his full justice, all of God packaged in one place, which is right here inside of us. And so now we carry the glory of God everywhere we go. We don't have to go to a place and experience the glory of God. We carry it throughout our day. We carry it to work. We carry it on a date with our spouse. We carry it into our households. We bring it into church, into this building. When we gather together, the glory of God is coming in with you. That's why when we worship, it's not just the singing of songs. It's the celebration of the glory of God and his work throughout our week. We see him at work throughout our week. We see him with our kids. We see him with our family. We see him in our workplaces. We see the work in the hand of God moving all over the place. And so when we come together, we come together to lift up our voices in celebration and declaration of the truth of what we experience with our God all week long. We have the glory of God with us. But sometimes God would disrupt things because he wants to move us from what is to what he wants to be. And so we see this in Isaiah 43. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Time and time again, God is telling his people, I'm doing a new thing. Do not give up. So with COVID, with racial uh, tensions in our, in our nation, with all the things that are coming, the economy starting to shake a little bit, all the different things that are coming on around us, I don't need to list them off. You know what they are. In the midst of all of that, God says, hey, behold, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something new in you. I'm doing something new around you. I'm doing something new for you. Can you not perceive it? He's turning us away from things that we put our hope in so that we can take our hope and place it in its proper place, which is back on him, who is stronger, who is greater, who is mightier than anything that's going on around us. How can we say that he's greater? God is greater than COVID. God is greater than uh, systemic racism. He's greater than our economy. He's greater than our government. He's greater than the problems you have in your marriage or that you have with your kids. God is greater than your worries about today and your fears about tomorrow. God's promises are greater. His presence is greater. His wisdom is greater. His power is greater. God is greater. And he wants us to live with this revelation inside of us. Can you imagine how we will face the days that we live in when this becomes a true revelation in our heart? Can you imagine the courage, the strength, the power, the assurance, the peace, the rest that we will walk in no matter what's going on around us, no matter how much things are shaking around us, the solid rock in which our feet are planted on will be solid in the midst of craziness. That's us.
That's available to every single one of us. It's inside of us. We've got to get this past here, and we've got to get it deep, deep, deep inside of our hearts. So our question is, when God shows up and wants to do something really, really great in our lives, what is our response to it? What is our response to it? Do we look to the news? Do we look to all kinds of different things and and listen to what's going on all around us and allow that to shape how we feel about the day? Or do we say, God, your promise is that your glory will be greater in my future than it was in my past. And so no matter what this looks like out here, I trust you. I trust you. Why? Because you're stronger than any president. You're stronger than any global leader. You're stronger than any of them. And your presence lives inside of me. And I can walk with that confidence and that strength every single day of my life. The first thing we do when we know that God is working in us, the first thing that happens is we allow the fear of God to rise up within our heart. The fear of God. God brings the Israelites out of Egypt to the foot of Mount Sinai. This was one of the most incredible experiences ever. Moses goes up and meets with him. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. And when they saw what was happening in this moment, fear filled their heart. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 21. This is right after Moses received the Ten Commandments. It says, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed, on the dis- they, uh, they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. He says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with, with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. You see, when the people saw God, when the children of Israel saw him, they saw his strength, they saw his power, they saw glimpses of him. It says that they were terrified. They were afraid. And Moses goes, no, 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 don't be afraid of God. Allow the fear of God to rise up in your heart. Being afraid of God and having the fear of God are two different things. When we are afraid of God, we distance ourselves from God. But when we have the fear of God, we press into God. We come close to God. Just like Moses, he went through all the thick smoke. He went towards God because he had the fear of the Lord. He was not afraid of God. So what's the difference? What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is living a reverent, living in a reverent awe of God, realizing how much greater he is. It's this awe of God, not to be afraid of him. It's a reverence towards God. It's a reverence that when God comes close, we don't have to run away. We can press towards. We can come close to him. We can come close to him. Moses is saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The fear of God fills you with a humbled, submitted wow when you think about God. It gives us this awe. 
When was the last time you felt in awe of God? Like where my response when I think about the goodness of God, the strength of God, the person of God, the presence of God, that I sit there and go, wow. God, I am in awe of you. We just sang it. Lord, I stand amazed in your presence. I stand in reverent awe of you in your presence, God. I come to you with where you have made a way for me to come boldly into your presence, but when I come in, I don't come in demanding. I come into your presence in awe of you. Your power, your strength, your person, your presence, your promises. I'm in awe of that, God. I am blown away. You see, when we understand how much glory God wants to pour out on us as his people, we stand in awe. Because can I tell you something? You're not good enough. You can't behave well enough. You can't do anything enough to earn that. But we can yield to it and submit to it and receive the glory of God. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, if in God you can come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself, unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man always looks down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. But when we do, if we can, lift our heads and look above us, we will stand in awe. We will stand in awe. The fear of the Lord is being careful not to make God into my image, but allowing him to transform me into his image. And that's what happens when we receive the glory of God. In other words, what we're saying is whenever he and I disagree, he's greater. You hear these stories, I've shared these stories where we argue with God. Think about this for just a moment where we argue with God. Sometimes our kids come in and they start arguing with us. Any parent ever experienced that? You might look at them and go, have you forgotten where you are? Have you forgotten who you're speaking to? Not as some superior being over them. You can say what you need to say, but let's not argue. When we come and we're arguing with God, have we forgotten where we're standing? I'm not saying that we don't cry out to God and ask him to answer us. 
But to argue with him would be a challenge. So we as the people of God must accept the fear of God back in our lives. So how do we see the glory of God manifest in our lives? The first thing that we do is we, we, we allow the fear of God to grow and strengthen inside of us. The second thing we do is we worship the Lord. We worship. We worship the Lord. Every time you see someone encounter God in the Bible, they are terrified and then they worship. They're, they're afraid because of the power and the strength and the majesty of God, but then they're like, whoa, God. When we come in here on Sunday mornings, my heart yearns for a people who will come all together and we come in and we say, oh God. And we lift the roof off of this building and worship to God. We stand with boldness and strength and authority and declaring the goodness of God, walking in the glory of God and allowing God to come among us and have his way inside of our hearts. I yearn for it. This morning, it's one of the things, it's one of the things you'll hear me, I say it over and over and over, and I know you're gonna get tired of hearing me say this, but I can't get through a corporate worship set without crying. Why? This is why. There is nothing that sounds more amazing to me than the sound of God's people lifting their voice in worship and adoration to the only one who is worthy of it. I am struck by it every time. Every time. Why? Because God is the only one who is worthy of all of our affection and all of our worship. And when we're coming together today, I just, uh, y'all might not have seen me, but I'm, I'm turning around and I'm watching this room that's fully engaged in worship. And it filled my heart. Filled my heart because you know why? I know what happens in worship. God transforms our heart in those moments. He reminds us of his greatness as we declare the truth of who he is. He reminds us of our purpose as we declare the truth of who he is inside of us. He reminds us of the power that we have in him as we declare the power of God in worship. He reminds us of those things. He transforms our heart. He heals us. He sets people free. He heals marriages. He heals brokenhearted people. He binds up wounds. He breaks strongholds. He saves souls. Why? Because as we declare the goodness of God, the glory of God comes and he moves in our midst. It's not about the sound that comes from here, from this platform. It's the sound that comes from you that stirs my heart. These guys are incredibly talented, amazing, love them. Some of my favorite people God ever made. But they stand up here to take us into the glory of God. 
take us to this place. Here's what I know. When we understand the glory of God, we cannot stand and worship like this. We cannot stand and go, you can't do it. When we have the full revelation of who he is, his person, his presence, his power, his promise, his wisdom, his strength, oh, gotta stand amazed. Gotta stand amazed. I'm blown away by your greatness, God, because God is absolutely greater than anything going on around us. Ezekiel 1, 28 says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the, of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. I believe, I can see it with my heart eyes. There will be a day in this building, in this room, that there will be people laying face down on the floor. You may tell you why? Not because it's some charismatic expression of worship, but because we see God in the fullness of who he is and we fall on our face. I'm believing God for it. You're like, I don't want him to do that to me. He's not gonna do it to you. He's gonna do it in you and you're gonna do it to yourself. Go ahead. When we walk in the fear of God, understanding the greatness of who he is, we are filled with wonder and gratitude that causes us to want to connect with him. So here's what worship is. It's not the singing of songs. There's all kinds of expressions of worship, but here's what worship really is at the core. Worship is the expression of love. I express my love to God. Sometimes I express my love to God in a song. Sometimes I, ex I express the love, my love for God in serving other people. Sometimes I express my love by doing all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, worship is love expressed. Worship is me expressing my heart to God. Hebrews 12, 28 says, since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful in offering God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, which means tender devotion. Lay down our lives. Lay down our lives. Become extremely thankful Give God our purest worship. So my question to you today is, what is your response to the goodness of God? There's something we're gonna do here every week at Victory Hamilton Mill. Every single week, we're gonna do four things. Four things are gonna happen in this room. We're gonna worship God. And my prayer to you is that you will have a revelation of the glory of God 
And when we have that as a corporate body, the presence and the glory of God will be so strong. It'll be much stronger in our future than it was in our past. And when that glory is present, God's going to do supernatural works in our midst. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to hear the word of God. We're going to hear the teaching of the scripture. We're going to be challenged by it. We're going to be corrected by it. We're going to be encouraged by it. We're going to be strengthened by it. And then we're going to respond to it. The scripture tells us, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Be someone who responds to it. And today, I know that there was something that was said that hit you in the heart. I don't know what it was. I don't know where it was in the message, but there was something just like an arrow goes right into your heart because God wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to show you his glory and we need to respond to it. Our response is really, really, really important to God. It's important for us. And so at the end of every service, I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond. Sometimes it'll be contemplative. Sometimes it'll be declarative. Whatever the Lord is leading us in that moment, and I believe in just a moment, we're going to stand and there's going to be a declarative moment where we're declaring the, the fullness and the power of who God is. And then the fourth thing, we're going to pray. We want you to be prayed for when you come to church. Here's my, here's my heart. I want you to know anytime you come to church, if I can just get to church, somebody's going to be there to pray for me. There'll be somebody there to pray for me. And if I can just get there, get through this week, it's been a hard week. If I can just get to church, the glory and the presence and the power and the word and all of that is going to be present in the church and somebody will be there to lay their hands on me and pray for me. We still have that. It's hard to do it with this COVID season because we're trying to be uh, uh, safe in the way we, we do in church. And so I appreciate you guys wearing masks. I know it's not, the, it's not fun, but I'm glad that you pushed through that and still came to church. I'm glad you did. I know it's uncomfortable and it's all of that. So we've provided a, a prayer opportunity for you here. It's not gonna be here at the altar at the end of service. We have a tent outside. It's for our safety so that we can know that we can come in to receive prayer and not be concerned, but we can come in with a heart that's open that says, Lord, just do what you wanna do, my situation. And if you're online, there's a red button that says prayer. I would like prayer, click the red button. You can say I'm from the Hamilton Mill campus and if you'll put your phone number in there, we're not gonna, I promise you we won't spam your phones. I promise you, we won't spam your phones. We won't spam you but we will pray for you and somebody will call you in the next few minutes and pray for you. Just pray for you right there over the telephone. We want you to be able to receive prayer. Worship, the word, response, prayer. That's what we're gonna do every week. So I want you to rise to your feet. I want you to understand this, that God is greater than it all. He's greater than COVID. He's greater than the injustices going on. He's greater than the election that's coming up. He's greater than all of it. 
The battle is the Lord's and he is worthy of your awe, your reverence, and your worship. So here's what I want you to do right there where you are as our team comes to lead us back in worship. Make your chair an altar if you want to. Kneel down, lay down, sit down, lift your hands, whatever it is that you're, there's a response to you. And here's my prayer, that as God reveals his glory to you, that you will just lift your hands in awe and worship to him. Some of you are saying, I already have that right now. Then go ahead and lift your hands and worship in awe of him. And let's just worship God with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our might. Let's give him all of our affection. Let's worship him like we believe that greater is no man, greater, uh, no one greater in this world but him. That we believe in the greatness of God, the God that is present in me that is greater than anything that's outside. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You, oh God, are greater. You are worthy of our praise. And today we honor you. We glorify you. We exalt you, God. We bless your name. We give you our affection, God. We give you our worship. We express our love to you today.